This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Bright may it be to us, shining and illuminating may it be inside of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 25 and verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, in our last study in this chapter, we looked at the parable of the talents, and we saw how there were these three servants and how each each of those three servants received some talents. Some were five, one was five, one was two, one was one. But the point is, is that each one received something, five, two, one. And then we saw how the man, how the Lord of this house had given, as we said, these talents. But the man who got the five talents We saw how he took them and he used them in trade and got five other talents, very good. And he was happy, he was a very happy man to come and to present the 10 talents to his Lord who returned and he was commended for that in verse 21 with the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And then we saw how the man who received two talents, he also took them, went out, did some did business, trading, and he got two more talents. And he also was rewarded in the same way. But then the focus in that parable turned to the man who had received one talent and did absolutely nothing with it. And he was stripped of his talent and he was called, he was given a title 
in verse 26 of thou wicked and slothful servant, and his judgment was, surprisingly, in verse 30, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This judgment of casting the slothful servant who did nothing into hell prompts a question, a very basic question, well, what exactly does it mean to be a Christian? Who is a Christian? This is the most misunderstood question today, especially in the church. A true Christian is a person who has surrendered his life to Jesus Christ to serve Christ to the best of his ability. Well, he's got ability of 10 talents, he's got ability of two talents, the best of his ability. The two who received, the first two who received the five talents and the two talents, each of them got right to work and they were able to present to their Lord double the money that they were entrusted with, very good. And those two men were rewarded with heaven as their Lord said unto them in, in verse 23, in verse 23, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But the man who received one talent and did nothing with it, he did not get to, to work for his Lord so that at the end he had no gains to present to his Lord. This man was cast into hell. And the Lord said, cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness and where there's gonna be weeping and gnashing of teeth in verse 30. So from this parable of the talents, there are three very clear points that we can gain from this parable. First, just as all men here in this parable receive some talents, the first point is everyone who comes to Jesus Christ has received, has some abilities that have been given to him and has a command from Christ to work work for Christ. There's not one person today who's come to Jesus Christ that Christ has not told in Matthew 20, verse one, Matthew 20, verse one, the kingdom of heaven is as like unto a man that's a householder that went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. In Matthew 20, verse seven, Matthew 20, verse seven, where he said, go ye also, into the vineyard in John 1.4, John 1.4, where Christ said, the night cometh when no man can work. So this term, full-time Christian service, is very misleading. It's very misleading because it implies that there are some Christians who work for Christ and some Christians who do not work for Christ. That's not true. That's not true. Christ expects every person who comes to him to be in full-time Christian service. Most work for Christ behind enemy lines, so to speak, in the workplace or socializing with the lost. And they are working behind enemy lines because they're not wearing a uniform of a pastor 
or a missionary. They don't say, I'm pastor so-and-so. I am a missionary, but they are there in the workplace, and so because they don't have the uniform of a pastor and a missionary, they're working as spies, if you want, behind enemy lines. But Christ has told every person who comes to him to work for him, and Christ has given every person who comes to him abilities to work for Christ. And just as every person in this parable was expected to work for his Lord, that's the first point in the parable. Everyone who comes to Christ has been ordained by Christ to use his life, to use his abilities for Christ the ones that he's given him, and to look forward to the day when he will appear before Christ and be able to present to Christ the gains, the results, the accomplishments of his life work for Christ. That's the first point. The second point of this parable is that it doesn't matter how much fruit, how large the gains that resulted from a life that was doing its best to work for Christ. The reward is the same. Both of the servants who made gains for the Lord received the same reward. They both were told the same thing in verse 21 and verse 23, exactly the same thing. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee rule over many things, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Exactly the same. And yet one person had gained more than double the amount of the other person. He had five talents to present to the Lord where the other one had two talents, but the reward was the same. This is the second point of this parable of the talents. It doesn't matter. If you are a Billy Graham, using your God-given abilities for reaching hundreds of millions of Gentiles and seeing millions of Gentiles respond to the gospel, or if you're using, to the best of your ability, your God-given abilities for reaching Jews and never seeing one come to Christ, rewards are the same. This is the second point of this parable. The rewards are the same regardless of the amount of the results as long as a person uses all of his God-given abilities to serve Christ, as the hymn puts it so well. Give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh, glowing ardor into the battle for truth. Jesus has set the example, dauntless was he, young and brave. Give him your loyal devotion. Give him the best you have. The last point of this parable of the talents is seen in this third man, this third man who received the one talent from his Lord and did absolutely nothing. He didn't care that he was given this one talent and it was to be used for his Lord. He just went on his life and just lived for himself. He didn't live for Christ. He lived for himself. He said, oh, I'll bury it, and anyway. Consequently, he had, in the end, nothing to present to his Lord. And the fact that this person was cast into hell teaches us that the biblical definition of a Christian 
or the biblical definition of a person who goes to heaven is the person who uses his life and his abilities that God has given to him to serve Jesus Christ. And that person throughout his life is working towards and looking forward to, at the end of his life, presenting to Christ the gains that he has made for Christ in his lifetime. Those are the three points that this parable of the talents is bringing. First, everyone has received abilities from Christ. Everyone who comes to Christ has been told to get to work with his life for Christ, use his life to serve Christ. Second, everyone who has used his life to work for Christ is rewarded with the same reward, regardless of how much gain he made for Christ as long as he did his best. Third, a person who has not dedicated his life to working for Christ and is not living and looking forward to, at the end of his life, reporting to Christ on what he accomplished for Christ is cast into hell. So the end of the parable of, the, of this parable of the talents, the end of this is judgment. It's judgment of a life that was lived for Christ or not lived for Christ, and this brings Christ now to the transition of the subject of judgment in the verse 31, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So we've been studying here in this chapter two parables. The parables first of the 10 virgins and then the parable of the talents. And now as we come to verse 31, Christ is giving an explanation Looking back on those two parables, he's giving an explanation of the meaning of these two parables, and the explanation is judgment. It's judgment, that's what this is all about. And so then Christ now starts this, this subject of judgment in verse 31 with the word when in verse 31. Very important word, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come. It's not a question of if, with Christ is gonna come, it's only a question of when. Christ has already told us in this last chapter that in the chapter before, chapter 24, he's already told us no one knows exactly when this coming is gonna be of Christ, but it's for sure he will come. There's no question about it. And so he's making it clear that a great day of judgment is coming in which everyone is going to be judged and sentenced to a state everlasting happiness or everlasting misery. It's gonna happen. And then Christ describes himself in several titles and as the judge here, he describes himself in several titles. And the first title that he describes himself as the judge is the title of son of man. He is the judge with the title of son of man in verse 31. When the son of man shall come, God the Father has committed all judgment to Jesus Christ in John 5.22. John 5.22, he said, the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And there is, right now, just think of it, right now, there is a day set. This day is already set. It's already on the calendar when Christ will judge all people as a man. He will judge all people as a man. 
Acts 17.31, Acts 17.31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. Christ as a man will judge all people. Christ will judge people as the son of man. And that means that a person being judged will not be able to say, well, you're God, you're God, I'm a man. You don't understand what it's like to be under the temptation of sin. You have no idea what it was like for me as a man to live in this world and be tempted by the devil. And no one will be able to say that because they'll be standing before the Son of Man. They'll be standing before Christ the man, and the judge will be Christ as the Son of Man who has the same nature as a man because he is a man, but he doesn't have the sin nature. So no one will be able to say that be Christ, no one will be able to say because Christ will appear as a man, the son of man who was not a person, you're not a person, no one will be able to say, well you are not a person as Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, you are not a person who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, no, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Christ is the son of man, from Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, Christ is the Son of Man, he was despised. He was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Christ is the Son of Man, he experienced more sorrow as a man than any other man ever had. In Lamentations 1.12, Lamentations 1.12, he says, nothing for you, is it nothing to you? All ye that pass by, just think of him on the cross at this point. Think of him on the cross, having these thoughts in his mind on the cross of Lamentations 112, Lamentations 112, and the people are passing in front of the cross and they say, oh, look at him, as they go by. And he's saying in his mind, Lamentations 112, is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. He, the wrath of God fell on him on that cross and caused him to be in such a deep sorrow that when the people were walking by like a carnival, like an entertainment, and they saw him, he says to them, is it nothing to you? Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? and see if there's any sorrow like unto my sorrow. This is the man of sorrows. This is the man of sorrows. And when he does appear as the son of man, what will be seen in him are the print of the nails in his hands. They'll be seen, and that sight will be so condemning to the lost because they'll realize could have, he could have been my savior. He could have been my atonement for my sin, but I rejected him, Christ, as my savior. Just the sight of Christ as the son of man, as the judge with the nail scars in his hands will speak so loudly, 
of how humble he was when he, in his condescension, when he went down and he died for our sins in Philippians 2.7, Philippians 2.7, when he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Christ is explaining in verse 31 that he'll come as the son of man, but he'll come in his glory, in his glory. And Christ's glory has a radiance to it, which a couple of the disciples saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, but this is gonna be different now because now he's going to be seen, as he says in verse 31, that he's gonna come in his glory. And what is that glory? That glory is equivalent or the same as God the Father's glory. The man of lumens in his glory, the brightness of his glory is the same as it says in Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 1.3. Who being the brightness, that's the number of lumens, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Just think about it. There were three crosses where he was crucified. But, and the three crosses we know, the one cross of the one thief who rejected Christ, and then the other cross of the other thief who rejected Christ, that was a statement that says that everybody falls into the category of one of those two thieves, either the receiver or the rejecter. But standing in the middle is Jesus Christ alone when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, he was all alone when he was doing all this. And then in verse 31, Christ said that he will not come alone, he won't be coming alone when he comes, he was on the cross alone, but when he comes in judgment, he says he won't be alone, all the angels will be coming with him. There's not one angel that's gonna say on that morning, you know, I don't feel very good, I'd like to sleep in this morning. Not one angel. Not one angel is gonna say, can I be excused from this coming? All the angels, verse 31, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. That means there's not gonna be one angel who won't be coming with Christ when he comes. And those angels will come and they all have specific key roles to perform at that time of judgment. They all got a job. The angels, for example, when they come, will be charged with, they have the job of gathering every saved person from every corner of the earth. It doesn't matter if they died in Alaska, or they died in Tonga, or they died in Ethiopia, Matthew 24, 31, Matthew 24, 31. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So there's gonna be a signal. 
There's gonna be a signal that the angels are waiting for. You can just see them saying to themselves, wait for the signal. Don't move till you hear the signal. And that signal is a shout. It's a shout from one angel called the archangel, and there will be a loud trumpet sound called the trump of God, and we angels are waiting for that, and they don't launch into their action until they hear that, and then when they hear that, then those angels will get right to work, and they'll bring out of every grave followers of Christ called the dead in Christ and the angels are gonna do that according to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, and when Christ comes as a judge, the angels then, they're gonna gather together all those also who rejected Christ. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.